0: My name is Matt Brown.
1: Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop that man.
0: And let's start the show. Rodgers needs to get
2: rid of it. That bounces, and it's picked up by a lineman in Zach Tom. Here's Toure. Samori Toure finds Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers to the 20. A flag is thrown. Out of bounds, and that's your ballgame. There is a flag.
0: Body. the world is a better place because you are here to join us my name is matt brown and i am the host of the productive conversations podcast it is third nope wednesday october 26 2022 in a fictional world october 26 is the day marty mcfly went back in time 42 years ago and also, it is the day in the real world where we have a stellar NFL podcast for you. But before we get into all that and all the fun, as we usually do, we just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out on the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at or pod We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So, as October is in... In its final stretch, we have more and more great content coming for you as we head into the final two months of 2022. This episode in particular, we are looking at Week 7 in the NFL and reviewing what intense games took place. On paper, these matchups weren't as Eye opening or as much eye candy as maybe previous weeks, but ultimately we got some games that created a lot of headlines, games that really turned some heads, games that really set a reality, and games that all in out were a lot of fun to watch. That's why we love the NFL. So Desmond Price, Brian McKean, and Alex Ranelli are with me to review week seven in the NFL. And we also look to week eight. This will also include Ramblin' Russ's Week 8 picks for both the NFL and college football. Russ did go 0 4 in college, but was undefeated. Four picks against the spread. Went 4 and 0 last week, so pay attention. The guy knows what he's talking about and has some good insight. But until we hear Russ's picks at the end of the show, we have a panel of three of the very best. No, I should say four of the very best when it comes to analyzing football and analyzing NFL headlines, games, and stories. So with that, Desmond Price, Alex Ronelio, and Brian McKean, it's your guys' turn once again. Let's talk about Week 7 in the NFL, which included Brady and Rodgers being mids, New York football still winning, Christian McCaffrey going to the 49ers, the Broncos turning into the biggest joke in all sports, and many more great things to talk about after that. So here's our panel discussion. Let's look at week seven of the NFL and look ahead to week eight. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. Week seven, the final week, or no, I should say next week is the uh, trade deadline. And I think all know we've had some mediocre football, but. Amongst that, we're seeing two legends at Brady and Rodgers to- and uh, Brady and Rogers under five hundred. New York football, right, dominating once again. Major trades taking place, and uh, so far, so good. In one sense, and so far it's not so good in another sense. But all in all, week seven of the NFL is done. Week eight is on upon us. And let's bring you a great productive conversation regarding the NFL. Week seven, Desmond Price, Alex, Ronellio, Brian McKee, welcome back. Is everybody here today? How's everyone doing?
1: Good. Thanks for having me back Hi. on. Happy to be back. Good to see you guys.
0: Sweet, sweet, sweet. Brian's back from um, his. Great to be back. Mystery. Can't wait. From his secret oh, yeah. mission, and um, it's glad to see he's all good and ready to go. And as uh, a combination of having him at Desmond for the first time is exciting. Him, Desmond. Oh yeah. Alex. So <laughs> let's get into it right away, gentlemen. As I mentioned, New York football is continuing their winning ways. So we can start with the Giants and the Jaguars. Plenty of injuries on offense. Giants lose two out of their five starting offensive linemen. Wasn't easy. Lots of penalties. Arguably the worst coach game so far. But in the end, another fourth quarter comeback for Big Blue. They are 6-1, the second team to do so. Shouts to the Bads, refs. And the Giants won on a Friday night light-style final play, literally making the... Making the stop on the two-yard line, so exciting stuff. Daniel Jones keeps his composure once again, doesn't allow turnovers. Saquon Barkley, t- uh, boring first half, and explosive second half, and uh, they're good on they're good on paper on their roster, but uh, Jacksonville is not resulting in wins. So, big blue again. Are we believers this week? Is this the week we are taking the Giants seriously, gentlemen? Yes or no?
3: Uh, not yet, man. Not quite yet. I was uh, <laughs> it was an impressive win. Um, I think like, you know, any win on the road, especially with an up and coming, you know, young team like that, you want to show up with all your energy and all your passion. Um, but I think there's a lot of room still for improvement, even though I do like what I see. Uh, Daniel Jones kind of had a managerial game, 19 for 30, you know, 202 yards and touchdown. I like the fact that they ran down their throat and dominated time possession. So they're still winning their normal winning ways, but um, I'd like to see the competition stiffen and we'll see what happens.
0: I don't disagree. I don't disagree. You know, as I mentioned, the trade deadlines right around the corner would be nice to get another deep threat of some sort. Yes. So yep. if, at the moment of this recording, DJ Moore still available. <coughs> um, if Elijah Moore wants to go to the other side, he could do that. Like Leonard Williams was a jet and then he's become a pretty good solid giant. Who knows? Maybe the change of scenery he can help.
3: I think, um, I think Dayball is really burgeoning to really like get a big time play to take the top off because I think Daniel Jones can still make those throws occasionally when needed. I just don't think they don't have a deep threat right now.
0: Clearly that's one thing you could assure that Mr. Jones is best strength is his legs. And the big thing, then the big, uh, the big rub against him was he would always turn the ball over and he's let and he's kept that number to a minimum this week, uh, this year and uh, this week, especially. But you're right. Choosing not to have not to give targets to Kenny Galladay, who was at one point a solid deep threat. Kadarius Tony's nowhere to be seen, too. Uh, Sterling Shepard is gone. It seems that Wandell Robinson is the uh, number one target for him, as well as Darius Slayton, who had plenty of a high price coming into him uh, before him, but hasn't reached that potential. But not wrong. Not wrong there. And um, another improved victory for the Giants defensive line. Just know Aziz uh, Majolari is going to be out again, but at least Kayvon Thibodeau is looking good. Leonard Williams is making stops. But... Um, But, you know, like you said, we still like to uh, keep those points as a minimum for the Giants' defense.
1: You know, I think looking at the Giants, there's a lot to be – there's obviously a lot of optimism here as far as what they could be. Mm -hmm. It also is worth noting that was it, like six of the seven games have all been one-possession games. So, I mean, like – So if you're just looking at it from where you were at last year, obviously you'll take that. Like, yeah, like you've been in one possession games and you're winning all these one possession games. However, if you want to play a little pessimist here, you're in all one possession games, no matter what the competition is here. So I would say that they're relatively clutch at the moment, but at the same time, this isn't a team that's blowing anybody's doors off. So I, I think we still need to see a little bit more from the Giants. I think that we can put a, a pretty big stamp on them if they come out and beat Seattle in Seattle. That's always been a tough place to play no matter who goes up there. Everyone has gone up there to Seattle like in the rain and has struggled. They have this weird like juju going on up there in the Pacific Northwest. So yeah, if the Giants win this week, I'm buying stock, but I I need to see them go up to Seattle and win this game.
0: You're right. One of the criticisms for Big Blue is their schedule is weak, with only formidable opponents to take seriously. Includes the Ravens and the Packers, and we know the Packers are on a uh, are going on the down low. So you're right, and especially the Seahawks, who have been in its stellar office juggernaut themselves it'd be nice. It'd be great to see if this uh, defense under Wink Martindale can actually stop them. So this is a pivotal game for the season. And if they can somehow pull it off. And right now the Seahawks are three point favorite. Then more winnable games at home, which includes Texans and lions. And then uh, Thanksgiving, you know, then Thanksgiving, we will play Dallas, which is a huge game, huge game for us. And then, um, ultimately waiting for that Eagles game to see hopefully that they both have a uh, very good records until then, but big blue lots to be excited for. And uh, the Seahawks game is going to be the real test once and for all, if they could be taken seriously by the entire league. And I don't think that is a task too difficult for them.
1: Yeah. Seahawks are, are playing great right now. I'm sure that we'll talk about them later in the show. Um, Gino Smith, I'm you know, huge fan of his right now. I mean, not too many quarterbacks actually get a chance to be benched and then get a second chance. It feels like once the league's many done with you the too. first time, like they're just done with you. So I'm excited for him. That running back up there, Kenneth Walker, is the real deal. You know, I mean, it kind of sucks that Metcalf went out, but I, I like the matchup of the Giants defense versus the Seahawks offense next week. I'm actually more excited to see that than the Giants offense versus the Seahawks defense, which I think – I have no idea what to expect from that one.
0: Yeah. Like I said, it's wing Martin deals biggest challenge for sure. And uh, you know, that's where I'll be. And lots of other people watching at four twenty-five on Sunday. And let's hope that it's a thriller, spoiler alert for me on that pick. And you know, I'll just love a big test. And I think this week ahead, we have lots of big tests. Now looking at the other New York team in the New York jets sloppy game, but some takeaways include that Sauce Gardner, I think, is proven that he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league already in his very early career. Jets hold on. Major injuries took place, including Brees Hall, who could have been an offensive rookie of the year the way he was going. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker's out, their best offensive lineman. Huge loss there. Um But besides that, they take advantage of a bent of a injured Russell Wilson's team and Nathaniel Hackett. I've already read articles and stories that he might be on the hot seat already, which now we have seen the first the head coach first year get fired Urban Meyer last last year. But this was a guy getting his first chance all in all. So, um I guess we'll let's focus on the Jets and then we'll talk about the Broncos' woes. One thing I want to uh, th- take take away I've seen with the Jets and Broncos is that Zach Wilson Zach Wilson is getting the team victories, but I don't think he's gotten any acclaim yet. This dude still has accuracy issues. He's still getting eaten up by defenders. Like I see him running into linebackers. I don't think Zach Wilson exactly is the uh, quarterback everybody thinks he's going to be yet, whether he still needs some time to get there or not. I think Zach Wilson still has a lot to prove in this game that could have gone either way. And uh, there was definitely if it wasn't for some penalties, they would have had some devastating interceptions and turnovers. I want to focus on Zach Wilson first. Is this guy going to get a pl- into a place where you feel comfortable he could be the Jets franchise quarterback? Because so far, I don't think that is the case, despite them winning.
4: You know, I'm not really sure. Um, just because of you know the lack of time he's been able to actually play and contribute to the team just throughout injuries um, in his young career. Uh, you know, right now, what has he played so far? Two or three games, I believe. You know, and they've been relying, they've been winning because of this heavy run-oriented offensive scheme. Mm-hmm. So now, with the injury to Brees Hall, you know they did get James Robinson, which is definitely, you know, I would say I wouldn't say comparable because Brees Hall just has that quick speed that he's been breaking off fifty-yard plays. But James Robinson could still get get you those yards they have to contact. So uh, this is, in my opinion, you know, you got to still continue that run offensive scheme, but maybe shift a little bit more to. The passing game. Let's see what Wilson uh, has. He has a lot of weapons. He has the other Wilson, Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, Michael Carter, Braxton Berrios, uh, Denzel yeah. Mims, Corey Davis. He has weapons. So it's time to actually see him come to fruition now. And this after this huge loss, especially with the running back and the offensive guard. Um, so you know, the I would hope that he he uh, you know he steps up. But you know, it's 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 yet to be seen. Hmm
1: uh yeah, I'm not seeing it. I mean you know maybe maybe this changes over the course of the year. I mean it's a long season in the NFL but you know he's played four games this season and the most passing yards he's had through any game was 250 um the other two of the other like remaining three games he only passed for a 100 like 10 yards. I mean, they won all four of these games that he's been the starter for. But, I mean, as far as, like, what he brought to the actual, like, to the game itself, like, being the quarterback – Not that prolific. The Jets don't really have that much of a passing offense, which I'm sure is why some of these receivers, I guess one in particular, feels like he wants to be traded. So, I mean, yeah, they've been heavily relying on the run, and now their best running back is now gone, which is going to expose him even more. I know they picked up James Robinson in a trade this week, but they also lost a tackle. So, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I think we're about to figure out exactly who, you know, Wilson is over the next couple of weeks. Now that he's losing some of his weapons, he's going to be a little bit more exposed. The Jets have a target on their back now. They're not sneaking up on people now that they're five and two. I I haven't seen enough yet to tell you if he's good or not. I I think we're still up in the air with this guy.
3: I think some of this, too, is just hitting the skids um, because, um, like Desmond said, I think that you know, it's, it's completely unproven what he's been asked to do in this offense. It's been very much a a run heavy offense and taking a lot of the load off of um, Zach Wilson. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, where the rubber meets the road this week and the week after, um, you know, hosting Buffalo at home. So I think that there's going to be a lot to be proven here and to see where the pecking order is in the AFC East particularly.
4: And I'll even make, sorry, I'll I'll make the, yeah, my bad. Uh, Um, Yeah. So I would even make this comment that if you look at the jets, they remind me a little bit of the Tennessee Titans in their style of offensive scheme that run a heavy oriented offense, where when they do go behind a few scores, you see the struggles of Ryan Tannehill show on occasion. Um, So, you know, that's where my ceiling for Zach Wilson right now is a little bit more of an athletic Ryan Tannehill, who, which, who was a receiver in college at one point. So, You know, I'm seeing these limitations from him. I'm seeing the accuracy issues. It's time for, you know, they already made a trade. You're at five and two right now. You might have to look to trade for a quarterback if he can't perform in the next game or two. And
3: I think particularly, too, I think this is a a moment for I don't know much about Michael Flores and O.C., but I think that them being able to shift into more of a, you know, a dink and dunk kind of offense, kind of get. There's some easy completions for Zach Wilson to boost his confidence, particularly when you have, um, you know, a really heavy um, uh, uh, pass rush with uh, with Matthew Judon this upcoming week, and then you have Phillips for Buffalo, and you have Von Miller on that front four. Um, they're going to really have to, you know, change some things in terms of how they orchestrate that offense.
0: And we talked about a New York team with a big test this week. The Jets are in the same exact position going against New England at home. So with that, with a... Patriots defense that has its strengths and weaknesses. This is the time for Zach Wilson to prove what's it for all that I am your guy. I will be your Joe Namath. I will be somebody you can trust to bring you back to the playoffs. It's been a long time for the Jets fan base, and they cannot have any more hype. So we'll see if they can prove it against Bill Belichick, who has been the Houston Astros to their New York Yankees, knowing to always beat them when it matters the most. And we'll see if uh, Zach Wilson can hear. Our fair analysis and uh, to make the most of the great options that Joe Douglas has provided for him. And the other team on this side to discuss, as I mentioned, uh, we have here Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk was on Rich Eisen on Monday, and he expressed the rumor that the Walton group who bought the Denver Broncos over the summer is fed up and embarrassed by Nathaniel Hackett's handling of his team. Now, keep in mind that the Walton group did not hire Nathaniel Hackett. And if you keep becoming the laughing stuff of the league where you have arguably the worst offense compared with their stellar defense. It um, can be a good and easy way for the Walters to make the escape, to put the ax to Nathaniel Hackett already. So my question to you gentlemen is as Nathaniel Hackett after seven weeks earned, earned a reason to lose his job already.
1: I would say I mean if we're being fair no but the NFL is not fair. And that's just really what <laughs> it comes down
2: statement.
1: to. I that's mean you know the the Walton family, you know owners of Walmart, you know they just paid more money for this franchise than any other entity has ever paid for a American sports franchise. And I I, you know, they probably aren't really coming in here thinking about like, you know, what is the standard or how long you're supposed to give a coach or who, or or whatever you have to say, you know, they just think that, Hey, we just made this investment. It's not returning on us right now. We need to get this guy out of here. And so, yeah, if you go to London and you can't beat a Jaguars team, who's also struggling, then yeah, I mean, it looks terrible. I mean, your fan base is booing you at home. Denver's not known for that. So the fact that that's been happening is really kind of striking and embarrassing for them too. Your $250 man can't actually throw for 200 yards. So, I mean, it's all looking bad right now. I mean, you wouldn't blame them if they did. Something has to change. And we all know that when it's like the coach or the players, the coach always goes first. mm Mm-hmm. Kill the coach you can't
0: you could can kill the coach not the players
3: yeah I, I feel terrible because i think you hit hit around that right on the head i think that this league just you know by virtue of just siding with the players um particularly when you shell all that money for russell wilson they're going to lay the blame at nathaniel hackett's feet but i don't know if it's uh, it's definitely certainly not fair because they lost their starting running back at the beginning of the year and um, they haven't been able to bounce back uh, offensively, you know, being cohesive with Russell Wilson. He's just been an utter disappointment up to this point. And, um, you, you know, you start looking around and you, you may be the, you know, the, 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 the recent newcomer, but the defense is gelling. And when the offense isn't clicking, you know, that's why you were brought here. So someone has to pay the price for this at some point. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with the both of you. At the same time, I always say this. If it isn't clicking, it isn't clicking. You know, when your coach goes on an interview and says he was shocked he got a head coaching job, you know, that should be a not red a flag. And you should be a red flag immediately. The guy looks like a clown. And if I see a clown, you know, he, he wears the nose. He walks around with the big shoes. He's a clown. You know, there's no reason why this much talent on paper. This is like the New York Yankees of the NFL. Too much talent on paper to not be able to produce. That's the problem I have here, you know. Melvin Gordon was a former Pro Bowl player. Yeah, you could say he's lost some juice, but you play putting him in the right positions, the right offensive scheme to succeed. We know he's not a north and south runner anymore. Why are you running him up the middle? Let's get him on the outside with some sweeps, you know, right. some screens and stuff like that. Let's go play play the way. Play the way your players are designed to play, not based on your scheme. Because that's always a big issue with offensive coordinators who become head coaches. We're going to do my scheme and just my scheme. Well, guess what? You would need to play with the skill set that you have around you. And it's time to start doing that, I feel. They have speed on offense. This, this offense with Russ Wilson can easily be no huddle.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I want to make one last point here about this. I think that what's happening with the Giants, but what's actually more importantly, what's happening with Seattle is actually what's putting so much pressure on Denver right now because, you know, this year is making it more apparent than ever how important coaching is in the NFL. When you have a team like the Giants who you probably, if you were to compare their roster to the Broncos roster, the Broncos probably have a better roster at almost every position, maybe except for the running back position. But you are seeing the Giants 6-1, and like winning all these tight games. You're seeing the Broncos – can't even eke out 20 points in a game. It's glaring that like there's a coaching problem there. And then when you look at Seattle, the team you got Russell Wilson from like actually doing great, like what scoring 38 against the chargers this past weekend. Like that's embarrassing. It makes it look like you got fleeced in that trade. And so I I think they're feeling a lot of pressure as an organization to turn this around, not like next year, but like, but quickly.
3: And it's and it's a matter of not being buttoned up too, because there was a questionable call at the end of um, the the Seattle game week one that had everybody up in arms. And since then, it's just like if you just look at their stat line for the penalties, it's it's always in the high digit, um, double digits for um you know injury. I mean um, um for uh, penalty yards accrued. You know whether it's just sl- you know sloppy secondary play, like that all boils down to coaching.
0: Yep, that's how you know a team is bad when the penalty numbers are up. No matter what level of football yeah, you are in, percent so Absolutely. lesson learned, gentlemen. We'll see if the Broncos can make up for it. Over the week, we had a huge trade take place. Christian McCaffrey goes to San Francisco. You know, San Francisco gives up a lot: a second, third, fourth, and fifth round pick. So they're clearly going for it. When you have the best defense in the league, you might as well upgrade it. Losing, uh, losing Mitchell was tough. Jeff Wilson was fine. But Christian McCaffrey is a major, major upgrade at that position. And despite that, going home... In a Super Bowl rematch against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, that stellar defense gives up 44 points. They lose 44 to 23. And, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, again, showing why he is as good as it gets when it comes to the NFL. And shout to Andy Reid providing that true smackdown against San Francisco. So the Chiefs, I think – is you have to really put in some stock with KC if Buffalo is the best team in the AFC? KFC is clearly number two, and uh, we we see this going. You know, arguably their best test yet. They're just going to keep pounding points no matter who they put on that roster. Kansas City, uh, how legit are they? And um, I know they've the defense. You know, even though they were whole, they held the. 49ers to just 23 points the defense still um still isn't as perfect as buffalo but kc really showing that they're top two team in this league now after this game
4: yeah absolutely you know i got a lot of heat um in the beginning of the preseason on the how i felt the kansas city jeeps would do this year and patrick mahomes and they're making me eat my words every single week they're a great team and to be honest with you i think they are better than the bill's um, completely into the number one just because of um, they're not getting hurt. The Chiefs aren't getting hurt. The Bills have the injury bug all season long. Uh, the Chiefs have really remained, you know, stayed healthy pretty well. And the defense have been but don't break. We're going to see what happens with Frank Clark, Frank Clark suspended the next two games. Uh, but the offense, you know, they have weapons. You know, they have three quality, quality you know, running backs, McKinnon, Alaire, and uh, Isaiah Pacheco. And then they you know the receivers, you know they you know you know you have a good team when you have three players crack above ninety eight yards in the passing game. that's just just straight up you know master class at the offensive level. so you know I think I think they could continue to make the push and grow.
0: I think you make great points with that, Brian. The only thing I would say is and we we still have to wait till the end of the se- the postseason actually see how this. Uh, ben, uh plays together, but when it comes to the postseason football, I'm just curious when how that will affect you know not having Tyreek there. But again, that is still many weeks away, and uh, that's where we keep you keep creating a chemistry. Don't have injuries, and the Chiefs uh, should make a deep run again.
1: They're a threat to score every time they get on the field. It's mm-hmm. it's like if you took a Big 12 offense and put it in the NFL. It's it's out of control. I, I mean, the way it's not just the skill that they have at like every different every single position. It's also the fact that Andy Reid is like a mad scientist scheming up plays, and, and there's a bunch of you know grown men who've been in the NFL for decades on the opposite side of the ball in every single team who are trying to like scheme up defenses to stop the Chiefs each and every week, and he just makes all of them look silly. You know, so I don't know what the limits are for the Chiefs. I mean, I know they can be beat. We've already seen them be beat. But honestly, it feels like the Chiefs more often, like if they lose to a team who's like has a lesser record, it's them beating themselves. I don't think there's actually that many teams maybe other than Buffalo who can just straight up just beat them on their best day. So I have a hard time seeing anything other than a Chiefs-Bills-AFC championship game right now. They're not just the two best teams in the AFC. They're by far the two best teams in the AFC.
3: Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a two uh, two horse race right now between those teams. I think Cincinnati's not quite back to last year's form for me, at least. Um, we'll talk about it later in another segment. But um, I mean, you know, that's exactly right. I, I I keep eating crow every week for down in Kansas City, and sometimes it's because I think with my heart instead of. Um, instead of my brain. And, uh, you know, I think the only thing that's stopping this team right now is maybe just a little bit of defensive discipline. I still have questions about Spagnola and some of that secondary. We saw it in the Raiders game a few weeks back where they got beat on some plays and they kind of get a little slovenly, a little, you know, pulling and grabbing. Um, But that's just gonna come with time. A lot of those guys are young in their secondary. And I think that, um, you know, it's uh, for me, ironically, I think this is going to boil down to a lot of Andy Reid's hubris as well and some of that offensive scheming because I think that he can get a little fat and happy, no pun intended, with the offensive uh, play call with with Mahomes and it gets him in trouble. We saw it at the end of the Buffalo game where it was a lot of improvising, um, a lot of, you know, carnival tricks in the fourth quarter. And I think it can kind of get them in trouble at times. But I think that's really the thing that's only that's the only thing that's going to derail this team and um, disallow them from actually um, dethroning um, Buffalo this this current season. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. They have uh, one hell of a schedule coming up as well.
1: They've scored 40 points in three different games so far. <laughs> yeah, like that, it's, it's yeah. wild what they're doing on the over. field.
3: And like you said, it it really looks like a Big 12 game. Every time they step on the field, I mean, they look like Lincoln Riley's led teams um, in years past. It's just unbelievable.
0: Do we think San Francisco is going to be fine after this embarrassing loss, especially with uh, game one for Christian McCaffrey?
1: I I think so. I mean, I don't think San Francisco is a Super Bowl team. Um, I know the NFC is a little jumbled up right now, but I think that – Jimmy Garoppolo is just a little too limited as a quarterback, even with the weapons he does have around him. He just, it's not that he doesn't have the physical talent. He just makes a lot of bad mental mistakes. And there's just no way of getting around it. You can see it every time in, in all of these games, even in that last game, that safety that he took. Uh, I was just like wondering, like, how did he not have that clock in his head? Where it's like, you've been in the end zone for like five seconds, but like, you got to get rid of the damn football. But a- anyway, just on a different note here, I think offensively, you know, they have so many weapons. They're going to compete in most of these games. They're going to win this next game against the Rams. I mean, I think they've yeah. beaten the Rams, like, what, eight times in a row, nine times in a row in the regular yes. season? Yeah, they embarrassed them the other week at home. Yeah, it, yeah, they have their number. Um, Defensively, I was a little shocked to see them get blown out like this. They're supposed to be one of the better defenses in the NFL. They got crushed. They got embarrassed this week. Especially so, that line. Yeah. yeah. Something of note to worry about for them going forward.
0: Well, yeah, said, I, think, I think the NFL is a good place. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I don't have much more to add. I just think that because the
3: division's a little a little funky right now, um, I did not expect Seattle to be this good um, this early in this in the year. Um, I think because the divisions down is a little jumbled right now, I think they'll be fine, and and um, I think the NFC as a whole is a lot weaker than years past. But they have some, you know, they have some issues to work out, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how um, you know the offensive boy genius uh, Kyle Shanahan operates with. Now you got Ayuk. Um, I think I think they still have Ayuk, right? Yes. And um, and now you got McCaffrey added to the mix, and you still have Debo. I mean that that is like. That that is an unbelievable amount of talent on the offensive side of the ball. So I think it's purposely meant to make Jimmy G's life a lot easier and a lot simpler.
4: I'll i have one comment on this. Um, you guys covered everything basically. I am not really a fan of the Christian McCaffrey trade at all. Um, I don't like the idea of trading you know three plus picks for an injury-prone player that is you know nearing the end of I would say his prime. You know, ability. I forget how old is he you now, like twenty five or twenty six. But like, you know, we hit the point where we see 26. where twenty six. We see the the point where projected Hall of Fame people start dipping down. You know, oh, yeah. as as a Cowboy fan, we see Ezekiel Elliott. Um, the age, the age, and the injuries start coming up. Um, I think there might be too many mouths to feed, and this might hurt the locker room a little bit when you have a bunch of people trying to get targets and catches and stuff like that. Especially a guy like Debo who wants, you know, a lot. A lot of catches, a lot of, you know, carries. And a guy like Ayuk, who is very underused and is only starting to hit stride now, I think this might actually cause more problems than it's good.
3: It's interesting. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think it's fascinating to see how this kind of offensive uh, chemistry lab test works because there is so much tremendous talent in the backfield and it's going to be a matter of um, having a lot of mouths to feed.
0: Mm-hmm. Right on, gentlemen. So... Washington played Green Bay over the weekend and has resulted in a 23-21 loss. So, we can, there's plenty of things to go. I'll still stay, take my stance on thinking Aaron Rodgers, still a good quarterback, though three loses losses in a row, and we have an offense barely staying on the field, only 23 total minutes of possession, uh, no turnovers for Rodgers personally, but with a... Uh, a, a transition of a more ground and pound game the the rushing team for the the um, running backs for Green Bay had no doubt their worst game. Now I mean only 12 carries in total for them 38 yards. You know they almost pulled off the schoolyard bullshit lateral play but they didn't and they even have their most difficult game upcoming this Sunday going against the Bills on Sunday night Aaron Rodgers looking every day like he is um, in a real bad place with his weapon so Alex I'll let you uh, open this up so let's look at this I know you don't like Aaron Rodgers. I know you have been critical of him. And let's see. So far with this so far seven weeks in, he's under five hundred. That has been at this point since twenty eighteen. The Packers are three and four, but I do think that was when he broke his collarbone. So he's yeah. out then. Um Aaron Rodgers is in a, a really bad spot right now. So I'll let you uh um explain why you think that is and why you think that may continue or not.
3: Well, the two most, the two first obvious reasons um, are two words: Devonte Adams. I mean, there's no question about it. He's, you know, he's eating, he's eating everything up in Vegas. He's having a sensational year, keeping pace with where he was back in Green Bay. So I know that as he starts to build that chemistry and that cohesion with the new young um, uh, receivers that he has in Green Bay, it's going to be some tough sledding. And I said that from the beginning of the season. Um, I didn't expect him to be three and four this far, you know, into the season because I think the NFC North has a pretty favorable schedule. Now it's going to be really difficult as they start upping the ante with some of these teams. Um, Ahead of them, they got Buffalo, they got um, Detroit, which is nothing to sneeze at right now, Um, uh, Mm -hmm. Dallas, you know, uh, even the Titans to a lesser degree, and then you got Philly, obviously the best team in the NFC right now, so um, they're going to have some tough sledding where they're going to have some resilience from their leader, their multiple-time MVP, but... Um, it's 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 not looking good, and I it's totally unexcusable to have twelve carries. I um I was on here three weeks in a row saying that they need to you know to run the ball down their throat and give Aaron some time to you know garner some um, garner some opportunities with this rece- receiving core, take some weight off his shoulders. But they obviously were not heeding that warning, and I think that. Um, You go up against a few uh, really, you know, stellar defenses and you don't make the necessary plays like this is what's going to happen. Aaron just it's not that so much that he's looked like total dog shit. It's he's just looked pedestrian. And I think that's because you come from so far up uh, on a pedestal and you have such high expectations within that organization to be, you know, the God sent savior for that for that franchise. It, It really is a lot. And I think that there were growing concerns within the organization of how he was going to regress the past few years Um, with the offensive production. I certainly saw it, even though there wasn't a drop off, um, particularly with the, uh, the production on the offensive side of the ball. Um, But I I definitely noticed little, little things the past few years that were of concern. And I think they're just kind of rearing their ugly head because they don't have a lot of things in their favor right now. And because Minnesota is such a great team. So um, it's going to be, it's going to be tough ride. I think that this is, um, um, this may be, this may be the final year. I mean, I, I think he's got one year left on this new contract.
0: I can't remember. This is a year. This yeah. is one more year for Aaron Rodgers on yeah. this contract. On this I know yeah. confirm that, but believe that is the case. And you know, one thing I said here in my defense of Aaron Rodgers is that he that he usually, despite all the different receivers, he was able to make it work from the Jordy Nelsons to the Greg Jennings to Devontae Adams and so on and so forth. And Alan Lazard is not it. Sammy Watkins isn't it for a second. I thought Dobbs could have be, but he wasn't. It didn't even make a catch in Romeo Dobbs. So if that is the case that he was able to at least stay competitive, well, he only has a few more weeks to prove that. And, um, he is not on a track to win an MVP clearly, but, um, it's really too bad. By the way, there's actually two more years on his contract. He's 42 million this year, 59 and a half in 23, then 49.3 in 2024.
1: You know, watching the Packers play, it's um, kind of reminded me of how the Eagles looked a couple of years ago when we had Carson Wentz. And what I mean is, like, there's so many inaccurate throws that I see. And there's also a lot of receivers who are just dropping like really easy catches. And a lot of the drops seem like because they have defenders hanging all over them. And I guess like without like looking at the tape, it's hard to know if that's like Rogers throwing to people he shouldn't be throwing to because they're covered, or if it's because his receivers can't get any separation. Like either way, I think a you know, some of this needs to fall on the coach because the receivers aren't getting open and Rogers is throwing to a lot of these people who are like, have people draped all over them. So mm-hmm. if there needs to be adjustments with like route, you know, combinations or, or just like changing okay. up the play calling so that you have like at least more running so that like the defenders are forced to back off and they can't hang on the receivers as much. Something's got to change because, as of right now what they're doing isn't working and i don't know how much more proof they need to actually you know change something about this offense i i feel bad that you know, Dobbs is kind of like, and and Watson are kind of like being hung out to dry. Is like the reason this offense isn't like showing up. They're like, oh, these young guys need to get it together. It's like, all right, Aaron. Well, if you know these young guys aren't doing that great, then why are you putting so much pressure on them? Like they're on their f- like fifth or sixth games of their rookie season. Like let's let's figure out another way to get some other people involved. You have two yeah. great running backs. Like you know, like let's go to them a little bit more.
4: Fair
0: yep.
1: criticism, and
0: and that, and um. I just also want to say that. We would, we'll, we'll see with the trade deadlining looming if they're going to be the ones to make moves because they could clearly use it. You were saying also, Alex.
3: Oh, I was just going to say to your, to your credit, Desmond. That that is, you know, um, a byproduct of of poor coaching when you're not getting your, you know, your stellar running backs more than twelve carries. Because I thought that was really like. <laughs> The bright spot of this team you know going into last week and i think that they kind of got away from the run game and they put too much weight on both rogers and the receivers because the receivers they're going to need time no matter what you can't force you can't um, you can't fake and imitate those amount of touches you need the you need the time with those receivers
4: i'll finish off with this one comment this is why i continue to mention you need preseason reps when you have inexperience at the wide receiver position or any skill position on offense because this falls on Aaron Rodgers. The fact that he was, you know, chilling in the mountains with some ayahuasca instead of being there with the pigskin throwing the ball to his young receivers. This is why this is happening because he this is his idea of, you know, I'll mosey in through the first 10 weeks around 500 and then out of nowhere, hit in sink get a wild card and try to make a run. And no one expects anything from me this year anyway. So, you know what? I could just, you know, coast a little bit. This is why, this is the lackadaisical Aaron Rodgers that has, oh, he's always been his entire, you know, career. It's just he's had, he's yeah. been in sync a lot more beforehand, you know, and he's had players that don't really need those reps. These guys need the reps. They need mental reps, you know. Christian Watson doesn't even play. He's not, He hasn't had a catch. When's the last time he's had a catch? He's really more of a gadget guy you know, running the ball on sweeps right now. You didn't have a catch this game. I think you had maybe one catch or two catches the game before. So, you know, it takes time. And then with the rushing, you know, with the lack of rushing, you know, your defense needs to take, uh, get the offense, you know, Washington's offense on the field to be able to put yourself in situations to extend drives and run the ball.
0: Great stuff. Great, great, great points there. And some people account with the lack of preseason Uh, Wraps between the number ones as a reason why the NFL is pretty mediocre as a whole. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But uh, that is a criticism I have heard regarding this. You know, Monday night's game, we saw the Bears play the we saw the Bears play the Patriots. And despite, well, let's be real, a terrible loss for New England. Uh, as Mac Jones was not 100% taken out early after only throwing 13 total passing yards and an interception. Bailey Zappi comes in for a couple good drives, but um, they weren't enough for Justin Fields and the Bears as they get a solid game. And uh, Justin Fields accounting for 80 yards rushing alone and uh, showing what can be done well with a very athletic quarterback. I don't think we're exactly saying that the bears are going to go on a stellar run all of a sudden, but the big thing to take out of this game and something bill Belichick has not had an issue with since I guess when he was the Browns head coach, but a problem he hasn't had for over 20 seasons. He does not have a quarterback. Even when Mac Jones comes back, I don't see him going all pro or anything. And uh, that is a great, great thing to see if you're a Patriot hater. But I'm sure the people in New England are very wary and nervous for that. So with uh, a quarterback controversy amongst two mediocre mids, bad quarterbacks, what do the Patriots do, guys? What do the Patriots
1: do? You know, I, I cannot pretend to actually care about the Patriots right now. I mean, they spent so many years. Be Honestly, like, no offense to anyone listening to this who's from Boston, but, like, all Boston sports just need to just go away for a while. Like, that, that is the luckiest, like, mm-hmm. the most, like, the town of just champions. Like, every sport has won a championship in the last 20, like, years. It, it's, it's, it's absurd. Anyway, um, I don't know. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, I mean, they, they both look pretty average. I guess we have a lot more tape on Mac Jones, and we Bailey Zappi has only played in two and a half games, so at least you can go with the unknown card there. But when I see Zappi on the field, it, it feels like, even though he struggled against the Bears a little bit last night, it, it feels like he has a little more poise than Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones makes a lot of um, – he, he takes a lot of chances – I don't like his, I don't like his ability to like read through his progressions that well. I don't think he's that disciplined as a quarterback. I, um, no. I, I know that, you know, Zappy yeah, threw a couple of interceptions well. last night, but I mean, one of them was kind of like a fluke play and, you know, like a batted ball that got tipped. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think edge Zappy right now. Um, but you know, they're no matter who you go with, they're not like stellar options right now for the Patriots.
4: Couldn't agree more. I just feel like we know the ceiling with Mac Jones as a average, you know, mid-tier quarterback with some, you know, limitations and liabilities. With you know, the lack of mobility is first off, you know. And as Desmond said, you know, can't really do well with progressions and takes chances. You know, it's ironic, but Zappy has some zap on his ball. He could actually throw that deep ball well. You know, he went four for four in the beginning of this game. And then, you know, the tip ball and then, you know, the pick six at the end. You know, it's you know, you're gonna you're gonna you know, you're gonna take chances in the fourth quarter when you're down a bunch of touchdowns. So I don't even count that interception, you know, to him. He's just trying to make a play, you know. He's getting you know, he's getting pretty he's getting pressured the entire game. It happens. Um, you know, where do you go from here? I say you just I, as I said to Alex in the group chat yesterday, you gotta play the hot hands. Gotta play the hot hand. Even though Mac Jones came back, keep on riding with Zappy and see what happens. You know, what other choice you have right now it's average or a little bit more average right now
0: you do have a good quarterback class coming in if you do want to experiment and maybe not make the playoffs (laughs) i just see bill belichick isn't that type of coach you know he's been in this league forever he doesn't he does he's, he's not the one to have the patience for it i think that's an interesting road that he's in and if he wants to go all the way with zappy if, he, if that is the decision he's making, you know, on that press conference, he said um, Mac Jones wasn't benched uh, for performance. It was his injury. He could still get in there, but we'll ultimately see what they decide. And it's a big game against the Jets for themselves and to hold their dignity. And if they do get this win that they really need, maybe they'll see what they got. But if all else fails, they could just draft a quarterback in this stellar class. Don't you think?
3: Yeah, I mean they, they they definitely can. Um I think you know, we knowing Bill, he's not going to reach and move all the way up the ladder to kind of get a guy. He's going to work with whatever he sees as a, as a good system quarterback. Uh, I think that's what he saw in Mac and to a lesser degree, happy. I think he kind of fell in his hand into his lap um, in years past. But you know, we knew that this team had to win one way. You know, temporarily. You know, and then in in the past year or so, which is that they had to be a you know a seventy thirty you know running team. And I don't think that uh, Bill. You know, I think you overestimates a little bit of his hubris and what he had to work with, with this, with this roster, even as McDaniels got hired because I don't think he wanted Matt Patricia running this offense. I think he is a defensive guy clearly. And I think he had his eyes set on Bill O'Brien before he went back to Alabama. So I think that they have a lot of things to, uh, you know, work, work through right now. Um, You know, letting Chicago go 11 of 18 on third down is a huge no, no, especially for a defense at home. Um, and I think, you know, I, what's funny is like the, the one thing that no one mentioned going into that game is that <laughs> uh, Bill Belichick was going to exceed the great late great George Hallis, who was the Bears coach for all time. It almost felt like he got out of the grave and like didn't allow it to happen. He like invigorated those guys for sure. this week even when they even when they have nothing to play for at the moment. So I thought that was kind of funny and ironic.
4: <laughs> I'll make this one comment as well. You know, when I think the Patriots, I think of tight ends, besides Tom Brady, tight ends. They've always been good with tight ends. Constant production, you know, yak, just getting, getting those third and shorts, getting those, you know, Y options dropping and just keep on moving the chains. What is going on with the tight end position the last two, three seasons with the, with the New England Patriots? There is a lack of production in the last two seasons, absolutely between Hunter Henry and Janu Smith. I don't know if it was that they're just aging or it's the offensive scheme, but, you know, I can't, I can't physically understand it when you combine for two catches for 16 yards in a Patriots offense as from the tight ends. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's very frustrating. That's what for young average quarterbacks, you need the tight ends to produce because those are the guys that do get, get those conversions on third down and continue to drive the chains
0: makes a difference makes a difference Gronk one of the best to ever do it and he's gone and uh you know when Henry and Smith have two receptions amongst each other and 16 yards you are not helping Brian's point oh you are helping Brian's point and uh, showing that the tight ends have been non-existent for them and uh again it leads to an embarrassing loss. So,
3: but if, but if you're New, you're New England, you can't have such a uh, wide open defense. Like you can't give up 243 yards on the ground to Chicago and allow them to do, allow yeah. them to dominate time of possession. Like that's just unacceptable. Yeah, if you think
4: about it, the Bears patriated the Patriots.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was honestly just really like weird to see a Patriots defense who was unable to do the things that they always do, which is they're usually always able to. Like adjust mid game, like Belichick's always been great about like figuring out what the opposite team's like game plan is and making adjustments during the game to like stop them from whatever it is they're trying to do. I mean, on passing, they kept just like rolling out the pocket so that like Justin Fields wasn't stuck in the pocket the whole game. They weren't running those crazy like route combinations, and yeah, they were just running it straight at him, and no, no answer for it. I mean, they got shellacked last night, and I feel like I have to eat, you know all the words I said the last couple weeks about the Bears like being the worst team in the NFL about Justin Fields being washed and like that doesn't look good right now doesn't look I, good I
3: don't even I don't even know about just that I think you are the one boasting and bragging about the Patriots going to the playoffs
1: I yep I had that yep yep <laughs> It's all bad. It's all bad.
3: (laughs) That's all right. We all make, we all, we all whip sometimes.
1: I was watching that game last night in disgust. I was like, man, I have to go on this podcast tomorrow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I knew Patriots going to lose when they, when ESPN made a graphic that they were 86% likely to win this game. I just knew that bad juju is coming with the money line when it's, when uh, you see that stuff and it worked out. My um, one other question about Chicago after seven weeks: Has Justin Fields again? He still has a whole a whole half of the season to go, but is he good enough to at least get to stay as the starter for now? I mean, no chance. Like, say if, no, no, if sorry, we only on. if we only had a if say yeah, it's nine It's the early seventies, and there's only a fourteen game season, and um around the corner, Justin Fields, does he earn a chance to start again or not?
1: I mean, you have to after last night. That was the most points that they've scored the entire time he's been in the league. I mean, that was his best game as a Bear in like his year and a half. I mean, you know, I I think a lot of the criticism that was coming down on the Bears wasn't like just on Justin Fields. It was on how the coaching staff was using him, trying to keep him in the pocket instead of like leaning on his athleticism. And... It was kind of shocking to see that an n f l coaching staff actually decided to listen to criticisms and make adjustments. I mean, there's other teams who would probably kill for that kind of uh you know reaction, you know, the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. but um you know seeing the seeing the bears actually just do the thing i mean they just like they didn't keep him in the pocket, they like rolled him out, they had to do quarterback draws i mean they kept just like keeping him on the move, so they also wouldn't expose their terrible offensive line, and they ran the ball a lot i mean it's just that's how you have to play with him, so I think. You know, it's nice to see them adapt to that level. I don't think that we can write off Justin Fields just yet, even though I said we should a couple, like either a week or two ago. That was a mistake, obviously. I will also learn from my mistakes here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, as the Bears did.
3: Well, and the only final thought is, like, just reverse it in a cynic's perspective. Like, what's the alternative? I think that the only thing, the best thing you can do for him on a rookie contract is just get him as many reps as you can. I mean, he's going to be, you know, they're still going to lose a ton of games, but you got to watch him improve.
4: I agree with that. I just need, like, here's my thing. he, The Patriots defense could not keep contained last night, and that's why he was able to succeed. Um I think this performance by him was a, was the, the reason of his success was because of the run game and the lack of contain by the defensive line of the winning room Patriots. I think the most important game of this season for Justin Fields is next week because I need to see the response now after a good game. If he continues it, yes, he has some hope. If he flounders again, this may have been, you know, a flash in the pan kind of thing, you know, When you have a mobile quarterback that relies so heavy on getting out of the pocket and play action, two things come to mind to me. Contain is going to kill him and injuries are going to happen. So this is where, you know, we need to see as the season progresses, if he could just sit in the pocket and take some hits. Cause when he does sit in the pocket and take some hits, he he gets sacked four times and two and a half by Matthew Judon. So we got to see, you know, what really happens here with him. If he could develop into a pocket passer, just so when the contain does occur, the offense doesn't collapse
1: you know i want to make one amendment to that it might not be the best thing to judge him by next week's game because i think the dallas defense has made mostly every quarterback look bad especially when you combine that they have a terrible offensive line and he's just not a great passer <laughs> i think he's set up to get humiliated next week
4: <laughs> as a That'll cowboy fan
1: the last point on this
4: as a Cowboy fan, I love the Dallas defense, but I really don't think they're as good as people think.
0: All right. Definitely. When we talk Cowboys, I'd love you to expand on that. So the Bengals and the Falcons don't need to spend too much time on this one, but Joe Burrow throwing over a 481 yards against Atlanta, you know, definitely a one-sided game from start to finish. I think the big thing to take out of this is Bengals starting to get some confidence back in their offense. You guys feel the same way?
3: <laughs> Not everybody at once.
1: Oh, uh, I, I just know I went first last time. I don't want to go first again.
4: Oh, okay, uh, Brian. Brian, go ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think they got some juice back. I think they're doing well. Um, I love the fact that every receiver is getting engaged in the offense uh, and making some plays. Uh, you know, I think I just need to see the defense. You know, the defense did well. Um, but. You know, it, I still feel like there's a hangover, and I don't, I don't know if it's a little fool's goal just because you know they played Atlanta. I just need to see more of a progression here. You know, it's Joe Burrow, balled out, 41 and three touchdowns. I just need to start seeing this play against the tough teams.
0: Okay, yeah, Okay. Absolutely. Still, still need more stellar competition to to uh, just like the Giants. They in a similar team. They're they're um schedule is helping them out
4: yes like they were supposed to do this to the falcons so like i'm on i'm on like happier excited about this they were supposed to you know 30 piece them
3: yeah i think i think it was definitely um uh you know as the weeks go by like with the new orleans game and how burrow's been you know getting back to last year's form like i i've definitely been encouraged like 34, 42, 481, and three tubs, like, that's impressive no matter who puts it up on who. But 7 of 11 on third down and 29 total first downs, like, is insane because, I don't know, I mean, I, I know we were kind of, you know, you know, laughingly and jokingly kind of discussing, you know, who actually is running the NFC South right now, but maybe it was Atlanta. Maybe we're discrediting the win per se, um, you know, for the time being. So I think, you know, I'm not saying it's a, it's an amazing win, but I think at four and three, they look like they're back in the driver's seat for the AFC North.
0: All right. Awesome stuff on this one, gentlemen. Um, If I don't have anything on Desmond um, with this comment, the aim, I'd like to also transition with the Seahawks and Chargers. As Gino goes off again, Marquise Goodwin, for a player who could use uh, who um, may be on the back nine of his, his career, he has a good game. Um, again, Kenneth Walker, who you put a lot of stock in, Desmond, with this good. one. he looking real good. Yeah. You know, the Chargers now, the injury book killing him again. Keenan Allen comes back, but now Mike Williams is out. <laughs> and something we have to consider, boys, and um, we'll start with this to talk about the Chargers. Justin Herbert, getting a lot of credit, but hasn't really done much. And especially in a game like this, you know, the Seahawks have a beatable defense. Um, I think it's we can now start to look at Justin Herbert. Is he as legit as he is? Or are we going to say the words that Justin Herbert is overrated? What side of the spectrum are you on with him?
1: I do not think for a second that Justin Herbert's overrated. Uh, <laughs> I think that he is playing through injuries right now. And he's a quarterback who has a rib injury. I mean, every motion involves your ribs. You know, I I think he's playing through pain. I think he's trying to tough it out. You know, good for him. Um, Trying to be like, you know, a tough guy out there trying to lead his team, you know. But but yeah, man, I I just don't think that the Chargers are going to be able to make a legitimate push this year. I mean, obviously they have injuries at the running or at the receiver position. They have injuries on their offensive line. I think they lost like their best offensive lineman for most of the year. Yeah. They had Keenan Allen out for the, almost the entire year so far. And they're putting up 23 points. If, If we're being for real, if you score, you know, around, know around 24 points per game that's not a bad offense Um, it's just not you know so i think for me this is i'm putting more of an onus on this game what happened with their defense i mean like how do you let the seahawks come into your building and score 37 on you that's embarrassing and your injured quarterback and your depleted offense aren't gonna be able to overcome a 37 point you know like i guess drop from the seattle seahawks so I would rather put this conversation on why is the Chargers defense fucking up?
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, JC Jackson's having a hard time staying in the field. Khalil Mack isn't uh, the big offseason acquisition they thought he was going to be. There are some performances that have been very subpar. Joey Bosa, um, he's not an all pro. I think that's something, uh, (laughs) an excellent point to to keep note of on that one. What, What do you guys think? Why are the Chargers, Brian and Alex, not exceeding expectations on defense?
4: I think it's a little bit of injury bug, and I just think that they have a lot of talent. Maybe that some of them just don't fit the particular scheme well. Um, I think they missed Denzel Perryman a lot at the linebacker core because they really do get beat a lot in the intermediate level, in the second level, because they have good cornerbacks, they they have great safeties, and they have a good defensive line. And I can't even name the middle linebacker, for the Los Angeles defense, can't actually. Yeah, I just looked it up. I know the outside linebacker because he was a Patriot, Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy's been bouncing around for a little bit. You know, when you don't have that that midman mid, for sure. Yeah, you know, when you don't have that mid-level help, it's very hard. Especially, you know, you have Derwin James can probably call in the defensive plays at safety. You know, which is good. He's your, he's your anchor. He drops down into the box. At the same time, though, you need the middle linebacker to step up in the hole and kill the running back. You know, 23 carries for 168 yards. You know, that that shows me one thing. The defensive line is getting pushed back and the linebackers aren't filling holes. It's that simple. Um, And that's the issue right there. I also think that everyone's under, you know, everyone doesn't give the credit to Seattle Seahawks. You know, (laughs) Geno Smith sat, learned under Russell Wilson. And right now is playing better than Russell Wilson. They're in sync. They're doing well. And this this is, you know, this right now is a top five offense in the league right now, just way... They're in sync and playing and they all know their job and they know their role and assignment. You know, you get a journeyman who are known for track, as in Marquise Goodwin, you know, four catches for sixty-seven and two touchdowns, you know. It's a high octane offense. Like (laughs) 37, you know, should they have only scored like twenty-eight points? Yeah, probably. But still, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard, you know, offense to hold back.
3: Yeah. Well, I I have more questions concerning the Chargers' offense at the moment more than the defense. Defense is going to have tough, you know, weeks, tough sledding week to week, and we've seen Seattle put numbers up on a lot of good teams. So um, I'm I'm a little more concerned, obviously, with the Chargers' offense and that cohesion. And I think, like Desmond alluded to, it, a lot of it has to do with with um, with the, with the rib injury against Kansas City, uh, versus the Kansas City game because I don't think for a second that Herbert is anything less than what he's being sold as. I think he's right up there with Burrow. Um, with with Mahomes and with Josh Allen and the AFC, and there's no de- there's no doubt about it. So I think it's he's definitely working through this. Um, I mean, for, in terms of like the woes with the defense, I think a lot of it is the the DC Renato Hill. He's only second. He's only played about eight, uh, uh, coached about 18 games with this team dating back to last year. And I still have questions with Brandon Staley. I don't think situationally this coach is. is I think he's very inept for this team. And I think that the ceiling stops um, with as as good as his coaching will allow this team to be, I think that they lose a lot of close games and they still kind of have that classic chargers bug.
4: Absolutely. I'll make one comment. I don't know if you guys watch the game in depth. I saw uh, like about a half of it. Um, Looking at the offensive, uh, offensive scheme, just the routes that they're running a lot of the routes I was noticing. It almost felt, it felt like they weren't layering the routes that Mm -hmm. I was noticing Gerald Everett and DeAndre Carter almost running with like within a two-yard separation of each other, not really layering it to get, you know, the intermediate, the short, and the deep route extended to really have a plethora of options. Everything felt very close together, not really trying to stretch the field as much as you know, against Seattle, who's, you know, deep always has sound defensive scheme, you need to do. I don't know if that's just lack lackadaisical um, on the players or it's just not scheming correctly as an OC. And
3: I have a real problem with Austin Eckler
4: only getting nine carries, too. Uh, yeah, but you got to remember in the preseason, he said he doesn't want to get the ball anymore because he doesn't want to get hurt and wants oh. to last a little longer.
3: Tough, tough shit. Jeff Jacobs is playing for a contract and he's out of his
4: mind right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, you you got you to have the will to want to win. And I don't see this team. Mindset. This team looks lackadaisical. Do you remember against the Chiefs, Gerald Everett, was, had a huge catch, and he got tired, and on the goal line, he dogged it, and he got a pick six, and that's why they lost that game. They, they yeah. got dogs on this offense.
0: Oh, man. Desmond, can you just uh, elaborate more on what you're liking with the Seahawks right now, and um, especially with your guy, Kenneth Walker, before we transition to the next game?
1: One thing that we don't talk about enough when it comes to any team Um, I I think because we don't have like stats for them is the offensive line play, Mm -hmm. like the offensive and the defensive lines are like, are the most important things on both sides of the ball. I mean, they dictate how good your offense or your defense is going to be. The Seattle Seahawks offense has been great. Uh, uh, Their offensive line has been great this year. Like whether it was, Rashad Penny in there, you know, he got injured, or is Kenneth Walker. Like, they are just absolutely dominating these defenses that they're going up against, which is why I'm actually excited to see this uh, Seahawks Giants matchup next week, because the Giants have a great defensive line. So I want to see The Seahawks offensive line versus the Giants defensive line. I think that that's also contributing a lot to why Geno Smith is playing so well. He's not having to deal with a lot of pressure. When you're a quarterback who hasn't been in the league for a while, as far as like being in a starting position, what you need is a clean pocket so you can go through your progressions. He has that right now. Seahawks offense is crisp right now. It's clean. I I think that they are actually the favorites to win this division right now. At the moment, absolutely. Yep.
0: Again, shows it up just Pete Carroll was really believed in these guys. Yeah. Well, like you said, they're making a real push for this division. So, Alex, Renelio, I'm going to give you this task to really explain how you were feeling about Houston and the Raiders, you know. You're the one who I think there's not much really analysis to give. Houston is Houston, one four and one. But I'd like to to hear your points with Los Angeles first to stick it up, to start it off. Josh Jacobs three touchdowns, Raiders yep. pounce, and um, you know even though they're two and four, you think the Raiders might have some fight in them if they could keep it together i saw Devonte adams was specifically not walking into a photographer in a hilarious meme if you caught that maybe that is changing his behavior maybe that's giving good vibes with vegas but um, i'm going to give you the reins on this one with how you're feeling about your team and if they can also make a huge run again despite a tough start in the first five in their first five games
3: well, well that's the thing is I feel I do feel great about this team and it's not just because of this win, because obviously beating up on Houston is gonna be a requisite thing in the league for the, the rest of the season. But um <laughs> sorry Houston, I'll send a I'll send a sympathy card. But I, I thought that get, I thought McDaniels, McDaniels came into this game playing for his job, um, and then playing for the season particularly because um this division stacked, but you know, all things considered, I do feel really good about the fact that um, the chargers are working through some shit. Uh, Denver has been a disappointment. So it really is starting to kind of shift more in the conversation of uh, Raiders chiefs. And what we've seen in that head to head matchup is that they can still play ball with this team. So I definitely feel more confident in what I saw in the chiefs game three uh two weeks ago. And um, yeah, obviously Jacobs was playing out of his mind. He had 20 for a buck 43 and, and, and um. And three touchdowns, he looked unstoppable with that offensive line. There was not a lot of penalties, a lot of holding calls, which has been a, a problem in years past with Bisaccia and Gruden at the helm. So they look like they're playing cleaner football. And they were able to actually have come away with some takeaways because the truth is the secondary for the um, the Raiders has been like all-time bad, not only historically, but in the entire league. And the fact that they were able to generate takeaways and put pressure on a Yoder and, you know, let alone a younger quarterback, but still all in all, it does count. It is the, it is the national football league. So I think that there's a lot of encouraging things on the both sides, sides of the ball. And um, I feel more encouraged today that this team could not only, you know, be five and one, six and zero, oh, but also the fact that they could play with Kansas city um, as the front runners for this division.
1: Can I go next? Of course. Of course. Um I just did my I'm I'm like in a weekly pick'em league. I just did my picks before I came on here. The last game that I was having a hard time picking was the game between the Raiders and the Saints this week. Mm -hmm. Because the Raiders kind of like scared me with this game. They went into the fourth quarter, actually losing to the Texans after coming off of their bye week. And I know that the Texans were also coming off their bye week, but you have Davis Mills, who, if you were to think about it, is probably a bottom five quarterback in the league, throws for 300 yards. Uh, Damian Pierce, rookie running back, almost goes for 100 yards. So, yeah, they won the game convincingly at the final scores, 38 to 20. But, again, like through three quarters, it was 20 to 17 Texans. So I'm just a little skeptical about this defense right now. I'm a little skeptical about the Raiders' consistency. I just I, – I feel – I'm not sure. I think they need to go on a run, but I think they could trip and kind of lose this game at in New Orleans this week, going on the road. The Saints aren't a great defensive team, but they score a lot of points on everybody. So I'm, I'm a little skeptical on how good the Raiders actually are right now. I think that they should have won this game a little bit more convincingly on the defensive side.
0: Any rebuttal to that, Alex, before we move on? Yeah.
3: Thank you. Um, so, I first of all, I do expect them to run the game and go four zero leading into the Seattle game on the twenty seventh. But I have to, you know, staunchly disagree because if you take, you know, the macro stance and back up a bit, they did outscore them twenty eight to ten the second half. That is pretty convincing on paper. I I look at more of the gameplay, not only the 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 numbers. You know, I, I, what I saw from that secondary was very promising in the right direction because they have a lot to work on. But at least in the intermediary, they're taking care of business against the teams that they are playing. So as long as – now, I I will say that I will check in back with you on the 29th, but I do feel that if they go 4-0 that they're back in
4: business. I'll make this one comment about the Texans. They are bad, but they're not that bad. Like That offense does put up points, and they do get yards, and they, Damian Pierce is playing at a Pro Bowl level, and you could say whatever you want about Davis Mills he does consistently put up 220 yards and like two touchdowns and an interception so like i was expecting them to score 20 points especially against a very very bad Raider defense that's just what happens with it what i'm more impressed about is that Derek Carr took it to his brother's old team and went 21 for 27 and then the next day posted a photo and said family business this man is on a, is on a war path right now there's no doubt in my mind they go six and four they go the win they go the next four and go six and four
0: anyway oh keep God. it up you know Let's talk about that Saints at Cardinals. Finally, a high-scoring Thursday night football game. Andy Dolan did wind up playing off the short week with those three interceptions, um, you know, and which includes two pick sixes. Tough game for New Orleans. I think um, they're starting to fall into a mess that they can't get out of. Kyler Murray playing pretty stellar. But the big thing is after a six-game suspension, DeAndre Hopkins comes in. 10 receptions, 100 yards, no touchdowns. But um, I think they clearly have stepped up, especially um, adding Robbie Anderson, though he only had one target in the game. Maybe, I don't know, he didn't get the offense in in time or what. He got there two days um, before that. Yeah, so (laughs) you don't have to really say the blame here. Are the Cardinals going to be all right now, especially showing that DeAndre Hopkins can make an impact on this offense?
4: I think they'll be okay. I still, you know, they're an aging defense. That's always going to be my worry. You know, you have 34 points put up on you, um, but you're also playing, I think, an aging defense in the Saints. So your team put 42 up as well. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray's Kyler Murray. We know his limitations. You know, know his, he's good for his mobility and his, you know, play action. And he does make some plays every once in a while. Good for him. He had a good game. Uh, I think it's more about the fact that they, you know, they finally realized, you know, even with J- James Conner heard. I think they're going to stick with, you know, Benjamin, just because he does have a little more juice to his run. And, you know, he hit that, I'm pretty sure, like a 50-yard run at one point. You know, mm-hmm. he, he can make some plays. He's a little flashy. You know, James Conner's really good for that goal line bruiser kind of play. Um, you know, a D-hop back, you know, they're going to make moves. You know, 10 catches, 103 yards. He's going to be the one continuing to drive the chains for them. my What I'd like to see is I want to see Robbie Anderson. I'd like to see with them a, you know, tripped formation you know, DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, Robbie Anderson uh, Robbie Anderson and Rondell Moore in the slot and just getting after it doing some crazy routes, you know, some deep intermediate stuff, you know. Yeah, well, we know Madden some flood, some PA waggle. Let's get some action going on. Let's open and open up these fields up, you know. They're fast dudes. Let's see it. This is a, this should be like an air raid kind of offense like Kyler Murray had in college. And I want to see more of that. And with the Saints, I'm only going to say this. They're the most confusing team in the NFL. They should be good, but they're bad. I hate seeing Andy Dalton play. I'd rather Taysom Hill at quarterback because he just aggravates me with the pick sixes all the time and the inconsistent play. And what is going on with their defense? We me and Alex talked about that before at hand of the season, but Dennis Allen becoming the head coach, they lost that touch on that defense and they got to find it because I don't know what they're doing here.
1: Uh, this is the second most confusing team in the league for me personally. I think number one being the Colts. Uh but now yeah, the Saints. About next. Yeah, the Saints, what are just a? I, I don't even know how to like explain who who they are as a team the one thing that does like you know like i guess like stand out to me is that through all the turmoil and through all the injuries they're still scoring a lot of points every single game which is again why i'm kind of like weary about their matchup with the the raiders next week and also if you take the two pick sixes out of the equation you know the saints actually win that game and that's after Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins were just dominating the Saints defense, dominating them. Um, You know, actually I said last week, I thought the Cardinals would be last in this division. I'm not going away from that just yet, but I guess I had forgotten just how much better this team looks with DeAndre Hopkins. I think that he is a top five wide receiver in this league and it makes a huge difference having him on the field with the rest of that Cardinals offense
0: good job on fantasy overs fantasy owners who held on and uh you might uh, get your benefit i think it also just shows if he keeps playing like this that he really is a generational receiver
3: yeah I mean, I, I, knew that. Offense, I knew that this offense was like temporarily deflated with uh, DeAndre, you know, being out of the lineup. Um, I knew that once he got back, they were going to look, you know, definitely more reinvigorated and re-inspired. And I think he, he was definitely the the lock and key to, um, you know, Kyler and, and Kingsbury saving their job for another week, because I thought that this was a sinking ship, um, you know, ahead of ahead of him coming back. But I mean, yeah, the this, same this still confused the hell out of me. Um I don't know what to do with this defense with Dennis Allen calling the shots, you know, as the coach, but, um, I, I, I really want to keep the focus on the Cardinals because I think that, um, they, they have something, they have something to move forward with. Um, I still think that they could be a final wildcard team in the NFC with, you know, in a down year. And I think that, um, if they just, if, if they just, if they just balance their gameplay, like how do you put up 25 points in the second quarter, um, it it's just I don't know they just they just seem to come and go like they're either super electric or they just look really deflated like in that game against Seattle the other week so I, I just they're just almost as equally as confusing as New Orleans but um they're gonna have a a, a tough few games ahead of, um in the next few weeks as well too
1: fourteen of those twenty five are those two pick sixes yeah that's that's true. true. Yeah.
4: I'll, say, I'll say one last thing about the Saints, though. Um, I think they capitalized on a, on a bad defense and the aging defense with the Cardinals. So, you know, a veteran like Dalton is going to put up a good amount of touchdowns on a bad defense like that. But my issue is that in previous weeks, I just see, I don't see like a uh, an identity for that offense. They're no. trying to do too much at, at once at different times. And I don't think they're mastering, you know, the short pass game, the intermediate, the deep threat. Or, you know, the ground and pound north and south running or the sideline, sideline running. I need to see more consistency in their offense.
1: There's been a lot of bad offensive football this year across the NFL. It really has.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And let's talk about the most disappointing. Titans and Colts. Titans have a bad game. Lots of injuries. Ryan Tanner Hill's in the walking boot. But the real story is that the Colts, are just on a disaster spree. Matt Ryan, though they said he was injured after it was reported after a talk with his coach, Matt Ryan is going to the bench. The former MVP um, looks like you know his best days are behind him officially now. They're bringing in Sam Ellinger to take over, not Nick Foles, who's on the roster. Sam Ellinger, he played at Texas. He was a six-round pick, played in three games last year. Um, looks like they are going to try to uh, get catch lightning in a bottle with um, Ellinger, guys. Matt Ryan, how about him not making it work after the first seven weeks?
3: So I, I got to go first in this one because I want to publicly eat crow being all Me in on too. not only winning this division, but winning 12 games. I am Ooh. officially selling Indianapolis Colts stock. It is. This team is not only unwatchable, they're unrootable. They are such an enigma wrapped in horseshit. It is unbelievable. It is unfathomable to watch this team. Um, I don't really have much more to add. I'm just I just I'm here by declaring I'm selling their stock. Take it
1: away. I saw that the commanders were playing the Colts this week. And again, I'm like trying to make oh, a, I'm trying to make a pick. all out, oh, wow. Right. So I'm like, I wanted to cry when I saw that matchup. <laughs> it's like, how, how do you pick that game? <laughs> I mean, I know,
0: it's Frank, right? As, yeah. as good of a coach as we thought he is.
1: Uh, you know what? I mean, a great coach would figure out a way to use his bad pieces to at least some advantage, and the Colts have no consistency on offense. I mean, even the games they won were ugly. When they beat the Chiefs, it was ugly. So, I mean, like, Matt Ryan looked terrible when they beat the Chiefs. They, they were so fortunate that the Chiefs basically shot themselves in the foot that game. Right.
4: It, it just confuses me so much, because like Reich, Frank Reich has done so well with so little. Like, he put they put up consistent numbers when they had Marlon Mack and Jacoby Brissett under the helm with like a 90 year old T.Y. Hilton. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they would like, they would put numbers up. And I don't know, it's just it's very, I feel like a lot of it honestly has to fall on Matt Ryan because you know, even though he's he's like second or fourth in the league in passing yards, his progressions were terrible this season. Yeah. And you know, you could say the head coach has to be able to command the helm, but at the end of the day, if you have an incompetent quarterback. Who's way past his prime? You can't do anything. You know what I mean? I, I they they reminded this team reminds me of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the last few seasons with Big Ben at quarterback and just inconsistent offensive play with so much talent on the roster. Yep, it makes it makes no sense to me. Now, I think John Jonathan Taylor took a step back this year. I think that really hurt them. Jonathan Taylor really made this offense better for them because they took so much pressure off the quarterback. That's why you had an aging Philip Rivers do well, and now in this situation, you got Matt Ryan who has no arm anymore, and you know it's uh, it's unfortunate, it really is. Because uh, I wish he just retired because you do you hate to see a stain on a man's career like that at the end of it, so you don't get scrubbed after uh, seven games.
3: Well, and I thought that the the the, the shining beacon of this defense was going to be Darius Leonard. I haven't seen him all year. He's been he heard, just- yeah. He's just been, yeah, I mean, it, like, I mean, it's apparent that when he's not there, they look terrible, but it's just hard to overcome a loss like that. And the thing, the thing that I don't understand is that week to week, you could scheme for the Colts and, and they, they, they could be a running team run for 200 yards and the next week. They're throwing for 380 400 yards and not getting anything on the ground. So I just don't know what to make with them.
0: My, 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 well, football's a tough sport to uh, hold it down over. And I don't know what, what, like you said, we don't know what's going to go on from here on out. I, I don't know really much about Sam Ellinger. Like I said, only that he was a six-round pick and he's had some NFL experience. He wasn't so even that know.
1: great in college.
0: Yeah, on a Texas he team really that wasn't, wasn't. So, So I don't know. And they're doing it over Nick Foles. So, um, he somehow beat him out for it. But, you know, maybe we'll see some comedy. That's all I could say. <laughs> Dallas, Dak Prescott returns. They they really lean on defense. Detroit now just looks like a legitimate mess at one and five. Did Jared Coff with two picks and getting five sacks against him. Oh my my the Cowboys were eating people up. And the rushing game was stellar. I mean, Pollard and Elliott, when it worked, when it comes together. They are in. Uh, they are unstoppable. So Dallas getting some momentum with a healthy Dak Prescott. I will throw it to the Cowboys fan himself. How you feel about your team this week?
4: Uh, you know, I'm a realistic Cowboy fan, so I really don't care until the playoffs happen and we lose to the 49ers um, uh. in the wild card rounds. So it's just one of those things. But, uh, you know, I expected a little rust on Dak, just like not making crazy, you know, plays like we saw him in the season before but you know he game managed 19 to 25 207 in the touchdown you know they rely on the run game you know pollard's the pollard's the lightning and you know elliott's the thunder and they're really working that well um the receiving core is impressing me a lot the emergence of noah brown's doing well i'm a little disappointed with michael gallup Uh, you know i know he's coming off the acl injury but he's just not getting involved in the offense and a lot and you know Against, I, I you know, Detroit is like a – I count Detroit as like two teams. I count – their offense is an amazing offense. That's one good team that should be like five and one. And then their defense should be one and five and never be allowed to play football again. So, you know, they were supposed to put 24 points up on them. Good for them. I'm a little worried about the defense because we just lost our slot corner who to, um, to a Liz Frank injury. And people don't give them a lot of credit. And I don't really like our cornerback depth. So against a team like the Bears this week, I feel like we might get exposed in the slot a little bit, Um, especially with a mobile quarterback who uh, slots are known to extend plays, like slant routes across the entire field, getting that intermediate route where a slot corner is very important. So I'm a little worried about that against the Bears. We'll win, but I think it's going to be close because they have a good defense as well. But, uh, you know, we're constantly getting pressure with this defense. We're constantly making plays. We're turning the ball over. I'm just a little bit worried about You know, Dallas is known to get the injury bug on defense consistently. So as long as we stay healthy, but now we're starting to see injuries creep up. You know, I think we should be good. But, you know, I'm always a skeptic. Oh, well,
0: I'm sorry to hear that you aren't as excited for this win. But, you know, what is it going to take for you in the regular season, if anything, to get you really excited for this team? Or are you just like, Dak, you're just like gonna wait till the playoffs.
4: Dak Prescott has to play like the money he's worth. So he has to play like a top three quarterback and needs to put up, you know, I need to see three receivers with a hundred yards every, every a couple of games like Patrick Mahomes. Like he's getting paid next year he's getting paid fifty-nine point one million dollars. He's hurt. He's I, I need to see him in the next four games do that exponential growth. That's Des- Des- making Love the most. passion.
3: Desmond, before you go, I just want to say that Brian is officially the actual antithesis, the living incarnate antithesis of Cowboys fans, not getting his hopes up about his own team. I was going to
1: say it's the most rational take I've ever heard from a Cowboys exactly. fan ever.
4: I don't know if they, what they've to, I don't know what they've told about you yet, but I'm a very fair Cowboy fan.
1: You know what? That's that's unbelievable. I've never met one before, but there's a first time for everything, you know. And <laughs> I I'm actually really high on. Dallas's defense I think probably even more so than you are Mm -hmm. especially after playing them the other week um, they are great I think their defensive line is great I think they get amazing they make every offensive line look bad so I just don't know that you can really scheme that much against them I think they they put pressure on you all game it's gonna be hard for anyone to beat them but on offense a lot to be desired I mean you know their running game is not that bad but you know yeah, what kind of what you were saying about like having the receivers like not having like um, a lot of success? That's the one downside of this team right now is the the passing offense. I, other than that, I I'm, think Dallas is a complete team.
4: No, I agree with you. I think what I'm noticing a lot is they're not getting really separation as they used to um, on these deep throws. I also think it's just because of the limitations right now with injury of Dak and the Cooper Rush not being able to really extend. You know. You know he doesn't have the best arm. He has a good arm. So like I, you know, it's it's almost like you know we went through preseason in the first seven games, and now we have to actually see what we have. So I want to see what clicks and what doesn't click. Um, but you know, Dalton Schultz has been hurt. You got to see him play well, and you know you got to see my cousin play well, Sean McEwen. So we got to see. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to see what you know. We got to see what happens with them. But like you said, with the defense, the defensive line is, in my opinion, the best in the league with the best depth. It's yeah. just. Dallas somehow figures out in the secondary to give up yards all the time. Even though Trayvon Diggs is great, he gives up so much yards because of his risk.
1: Yeah. I, when I look at Dallas as a whole, I wonder if they're going to be able to be truly effective in the passing game because they're able to kind of like double or I guess like bracket mm-hmm. CD Lamb, which means that somebody else has to step up. And like you were saying, yeah. Gallup's coming off an ACL injury and Schultz is coming off of an injury. It's I to like, you're not getting guys who are able to just, separate off of defenders and so you're putting no, all hard. this pressure on the rest of your receiving core mm-hmm. and i don't know if they can step up and if they don't then cd lamb's gonna be ineffective for most of the year
4: exactly yeah. the best player the best player in has been noah brown in 50 50 balls and that's just because of the size
0: yes yeah. sir totally the bravens and the Ra- and the ravens i call them the bravens sorry you the did. browns I like, and the ravens I
3: like that. the bravens
0: the <laughs> cleveland versus baltimore They used to be the same team, essentially. Um, So Mm -hmm. the running back cut by committee helps Baltimore hold on for a much needed victory. Browns just keep on losing. And, uh, you know, obviously we know it's going to happen in week 11, but there are still three games until then. But the Ravens. Now with that big win, do we think that's going to give them any momentum to be back into a top team in their division and in the AFC? Because Lamar Jackson is bad, had a very good, game, a much needed, very good game on both the ground and the passing game.
3: I I think they're exactly where I expected them to be. I think that Jacoby Brissett, you know, on an individual basis, has kind of outperformed what he uh, what they've sold and what they build him as. But he's always been a competent quarterback, especially as a backup in this league. Um, I, I, you know, like I said, standings, win count, I kind of expect them to be at this point in the season, just with the the Deshaun Watson situation. But um, I thought this was like a a really phenomenal bounce back game for Baltimore in particular, because we were kind of shitting on their defense for about two weeks. Um, They had two forced fumbles and five sacks on this team. And we know that they can run the ball, so that was really impressive. And um, Lamar was just great on third downs. He really impressed me as a bounce back against your Giants, Matt. And I thought that this was a game they needed to win at
4: home to stay competitive in the AFC North. Right. Couldn't agree more with that. My uh, one comment for this game is that—is it just me? But the Cleveland Browns offense is like the best two and five offense I've seen in a while. Like they consistently yeah. just put up yards, and I just—I feel I'm. It sucks for Jacoby Brissett that he doesn't have a defense right now because he's playing. Yeah. He's 11th in QBR and 11th in passing. You know, he's six yeah. and five with TD interceptions, and the interceptions. A few of them were, you know, because of the receivers, you know, bobbling the ball and then getting picked off. So like, you know, those stats aren't there. But like, he's playing. He's playing his heart out, and he's oh, yeah. keeping them in games. It's a shame that they, like this team easily should be five and two, and I feel bad for them because this defense. You know, we put they put all these draft assets in and it's not coming to fruition.
1: Yeah, the Cleveland Browns are not a bad team. Uh, I mean, their record is their record. You know, I mean, this is look if they're going to make the playoffs at this point. But, I mean, whenever I watch the Browns play, they're in every single game. So, I mean, they're not getting blown out. They're never getting embarrassed. They're competitive. It just feels like they're just not making clutch plays down the stretch in a lot of these games, and it's coming back to bite them over and over again
3: hundred percent. And I think for the Ravens, um, as much as, you know, that was uh, a, a great must win for them. I think the Mark Andrews injury is very, very concerning. Um, they're going to have a hard, you know, a hard time tough sledding the next four weeks without him.
1: Yeah. I'm worried about the Ravens offense right now, especially this week on a short week. I mean, that was actually the second hardest game I had to pick Ravens and Buccaneers going into next week. I have no idea what to expect from that game, but the, uh, Yeah. Ravens offense is uh, looking pretty sporadic.
4: It's going to be a lot of running the ball. Gus, the bus, a lot of running the ball.
0: All right. The last two games um, I've left because they're so exciting to talk about, I think, on a football stance and for the future of the league, the Bucs and the Panthers. The Bucks lose their fourth straight. That's fourth straight victory. Tom Brady has never played this far in the season and gone under five hundred. Brady doesn't throw one touchdown. I knew when you had that absolutely wide open Mike Evans, and it bounces off his his quad, and it throws all over the place. They were doomed for disaster. They were. They were doomed from the start, and they are a complete disaster right now. You know, Tom Brady, you lost to Kenny Pickens, and now P.J. Tucker, especially for a team that is so toxic and has nobody going for them on that roster whatsoever, and yet they beat him. Luckily, the NFC South is a mess as a whole, but Tom Brady – whether you want to atone, uh, attain it to his off-the-field issues, whether you want to say the dude is a 45-year-old quarterback, Tom Brady, what's going on? I saw his post last week that he said things are going to change. You arguably get the worst loss of the entire week. I did Tom Brady, with, well, the sky is falling on him. I've, I've, I've heard the takes here about he's going to retire midseason. I've heard that he I think he went on a podcast recently said, I'm not done. Heck, if the family's gone, I might as well keep playing. But Tom Brady, like like when, when when's it time to to uh, give up on him to, or do we are we giving him another chance because he's Tom Brady? Like these are crucial games coming up for him.
4: I think they're missing Bruce Arians right now the most. I think they're missing the discipline and accountability. Where's the guy yelling in your face? Ty, Bruce Arians wasn't afraid to look Tom Brady in his face and put him in check. That's what they're missing right now. Todd Bowles ain't doing that. Same thing with this defense. No one's putting them in check. I think this is a lot falling on the defense and putting Brady in bad situations. And I also think it's Brady is just not making the plays used to it's it's you know it's a double-edged sword right now you have inconsistent defensive play with inconsistent offensive play and a lack of discipline across the board
1: yeah discipline is the word they used a lot on the I, I watched a couple episodes of the nfl live already this week and they were breaking down some of the film of the buccaneers defense and that was where they kept coming back to a discipline they were showing a lot of running plays where bucks defenders were just like not doing their assignments and leaving these wide open holes Mm -hmm. for like Panthers running backs to run straight through just again and again and again and again. So, you know, on the defensive side, they are not as good as they should be on the offensive side. Brady's just not really going through his progressions that well. And I wonder if a lot of that, it comes to the fact that he's maybe he's never had this bad of an offensive line before. So he's getting a little shook in the pocket. He's just not really like throwing it to the right receivers. And then, his receivers also aren't getting a whole lot of separation outside of Mike Evans. It's kind of the same issue that the Cowboys, I think have, like they have one really good receiver and then a bunch of other guys who just are not that great. And Chris Godwin is a great receiver, but I think he's a little more injured than he's letting on.
3: Yeah, there's definitely some injury bug. I feel like, um, a lot of age on this, this roster now, you know, in, in the third year under Brady, um, I, I thought that the fact that they couldn't stop Carolina's run was definitely an issue for for the defense. Um made them really tired throughout the game. And I think for for the offensive side of the ball with with Brady, I mean, he just has no 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 run game to lean on. And not, you know, having you know, having guys that can't get separation outside of Mike Evans, it's just they have problems, they have a litany of problems across the board. And I think that it would be even more magnified if they were in any other division besides NFC South, where there's really no other competitive um, uh, stuff going on. So,
1: yeah, I oh, mean, if paint. you look at it, it's a three to one like pass to run weight. They they threw it 49 times and they ran 16 times. That's ridiculous.
4: And I don't even think it's because they have bad running backs. I just think the offensive line is just you can't trust them. And that's
0: why Brady is screaming at him. And I know they've had their issues too. But I, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's it's a uh, pressure's on for Mister Brady, and um, we'll see. I, I, he'll make definitely more of a reason why he's a goat if he could just get some good wins, as you mentioned Thursday night against the Bucks, and let's see after that you you go up against the Rams. That should be a winnable game. The Seahawks, again, uh, the the, uh, schedule is topsy-turvy, but uh, Tom Brady make take advantage of the weak defense you have in front of you. And the final game to discuss is Sunday night slobber knocker in the sense of blunt force classic football against two classic franchises. The game was messy. It was muggy. No scoring at the end in the second half. But if you like defense and you like it staying close, this was the game for you. And the big things to say, even though coming into it, they were an 11 and a half point underdog. The Steelers kept it close. But Kenny Pickett, even though staying calm, even though having good composure, he throws two major interceptions in the final two drives. Miami is lucky not to blow it. Obviously, the other big story is Tua coming back for an okay performance, glad he's not hurt, kept him in there. But again, I think Kenny Pickett, despite him seeming professional in looks, you can't throw those two um, big interceptions when you're on your opponent's side of the field. Very bad, upsetting for people who bet on it like me, but that's another story. But um, the Steelers, still trying to find... And figure out who they are with their rookie quarterback, gentlemen. Um, what do we think about this? And another and a huge win for Miami after a few tough losses and losses in PR. Mike McDaniel's keeps it together for them. Very interesting for these two teams figuring out where they can go moving forward as we hit the uh, just about hit the midpoint of the season.
4: You know, I've been saying it the entire year, but Pittsburgh, they're in a growing pain here. They just got to see what they got and pick it and develop. They got a lot of young weapons. They, just gotta, they definitely need to go get a better offensive coordinator. Matt Canada is doing it for them. And, you know, they got to keep on improving that offensive line. But, like, even though the three picks happen, just look at the productivity by the receivers, like Friar, Muth, Pickens, Johnson, and Claypool. Like, they're getting 40 yards each. They're making plays, you know. It just, you know, the defense is a little banged up right now. You don't have TJ Watts. So like, it's taking time. You know, there's going to be struggles. This is probably going to be Tomlin's first sub-500 season. It happens, you know. You've had success for a very long time. Sometimes you need a reset. On the other hand, with Miami, you know, they're staying alive. You know, Kachua came back. He's healthy, thank God. Like, every time I see him in the pocket, I get worried because you just don't want to see another guy get hit like that after such a traumatic injury. Um, and credit to Raheem Mostert, you know, he's 30 years old and he's 20th in the league in rushing right now. And he's really, you know, showing and solidifying as the number one running back in that room. And, uh, you know, he's making plays so good for him.
1: Yeah. I want to just make a note about who Kenny Pickett like is, as far as like a quarterback, you know, he got drafted out of Pittsburgh. And for those who might be unaware of like college football playing in the ACC is not the most challenging place to play. You know, he didn't face a whole lot of great defenses at the, as the quarterback for the University of Pittsburgh. I mean, he might have faced some NFL players on the Clemson defense. but besides that, going up and down that conference, you're not playing a whole lot of like great defensive talent. So, I mean, like the fact that he's actually as good as he is, given that he didn't have a great level of competition that he was facing, like you know, in college. And this is only his first like, what, three or four starts now or three yeah. starts now. I think he's actually ahead of schedule. I think you know it's going to be a rough year for him, but I think overall he looks kind of great. You know, he's making some bad decisions, but I think he'll clean those up as time goes along. I'm re- really a big believer in Tomlin and this Pittsburgh coaching staff. They're not going to the playoffs this year. This is a rebuilding year, but I think the the future is bright for Kenny Pickett. You know, I, I'm seeing a lot of great things from him.
3: So I'll, I'll abstain from going. That far to put, you know, my eggs in my basket with Pickett. Um, I think that we we're all kind of unanimously agreeing that this is definitely a down year for Pittsburgh to figure out some shit. Um, I think they still need to find a number one receiver. You need to clean up some of that offensive line to get Najee Harris some bursts because I think he's a stellar running back when, when he has the the, the room to operate, but we'll see about Pickett. I mean, I was definitely bigger on him going into the season. I'm not off the bandwagon. I'm just not hundred percent sure yet. And um, you know, he'll, he'll start to, you know, clean things up, have better reads, not make the same mistakes week by week. But um, this will definitely be a learning experience for Tomlin and that team. Um, And, and, and going into next year, I think having that defense hundred percent healthy because losing TJ Watt is huge, obviously.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yep. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. So, Interesting to see where they go from here. So let's do our upsets, whimpers, and feathers this week. Let's have Brian start it off. Where do you see the upsets
4: start going this week? Upsets? Um, hmm. I think the Detroit Lions beat the Miami Dolphins. Do you think this
0: will be the time that, that Dan Campbell finally gets them rolling? Why?
4: they just need a win right now it's not looking good I had a lot of faith in Dan Campbell but like something's got to give right now you know I'm in St. Brown's coming back you know he, he didn't really have a good game he got locked down by T. Diggs but I expect a big game from him I just see these teams more on a even laying uh, even the playing field just because like Miami's defense isn't it, they're not good they're like I wouldn't even say okay their passing game is very uh, uh you know sus I would say and you know I think that the Detroit offense is better than Miami's offense minus Tyreek Hill so I it to be a close game and Detroit pulls it out
3: sweet sweet right. uh want me to go yes so my upset for the week is actually Houston going down to Tennessee to pull off a win I think that these division games are always close um Tannehill's out after the right foot injury So, I think that's going to set them back, even despite what we think of him. But um, Houston's scrappy. They play all these games tight, um, particularly in division. And I think that um, they're going to go down and just uh, take one from uh, Tennessee.
0: All right. And by the way, that was a two point uh, spread right there for the.
1: um... (laughs) I totally took Desmond's face. (laughs) There you did. All right. Got to make it up on the fly. Uh, The Bears over the Cowboys. Okay. Good one. Good one.
3: Because.
1: I mean, that wasn't my pick, but now that we're going here on the fly, um, Dallas' offense worries me right now. You know, it really does. And I think that, you know, just legitimately, when you have a quarterback who has, a like, a plate in his throwing hand, I mean, like, obviously he rushed himself back because he's probably hearing the criticism, but – You know, I think that might actually affect him more than we want to believe it's going to. And again, I'm talking about the issues he might have at the receiving core. It wouldn't surprise me if the Bears defense was able to keep this Dallas offense and check enough for Justin Fields to score enough points to eke out what might be a low scoring game.
0: Great pick. Great pick. And um, I will say the spread is big. They are 10 point favorites, but see if they could pull it off. And uh, for my upset this week, Giants are three-point underdogs against Seattle. I think they have the ability to show how good Dave Ball and that coaching personnel is in leading this Giants team, going down to Qualcomm. No, that's not Qualcomm. Um, um You know, they they're going down to Seattle, playing against the 12th man and i just think daniel jones will be able to use those legs saquon will continue to gain rushing yards and i think even though geno smith is uh, playing the career of his the best year of his career against his former team i think the giants defense might just be able to stop him and uh, finally get some legitimacy for the giants moving forward and then when it comes to the whimpers which games are going to suck Brian, kick that off.
4: Uh going to suck. I'm gonna say it will be Denver versus Jacksonville, just on the res- in, just on the fact that no one cares about this game. Um, you know, <laughs> if Russell Wilson doesn't play, even Russell will honestly I'd rather see Brett Rifen play than Russell Wilson at this point. Jacksonville just seems to just like know what they're doing, but not. They're like they're young and undisciplined, and they're just trying to have a good time. That's the Jacksonville job of the Jaguars. As long as they have a good time. You know, it doesn't care about the wins or losses right now with Doug Peterson, and uh, yeah, Denver's just in disarray. Woo, right.
1: woo, woo, woo! What you got, Alex? Oh, um,
3: well, that was my that was my whimper. But um, another unwatchable game is Carolina going Atlanta. Um, that both teams are, well, you know what? I, I, I can't, I can't (laughs) much with Atlanta because someone has to win that horrible division. So uh, I think that Atlanta wins that game, but I think it's just virtually unwatchable between all the uh, backups for Carolina as they got that roster. So.
1: Yeah. I also had a, my eyes fixated on that Denver Jacksonville game. But since that's not an option, my second most unwatchable game has gotta be the Commanders and the Colts.
3: That's another one. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> because yeah. what oh. is that game, Ethan? And oh. why is it in the two o'clock slot? You know, push that down to the I guess four o'clock for East Coast people. Um, <laughs> so just like just get that out of there. I don't want to see that my in the thing. afternoon games. <laughs>
4: Heineki we trust. I Dude. mean, I'm gonna crack okay. a Heinekee. My
0: um okay. my whimper this week, and it's not because I think um these are two bad teams going on it. It's a really good team versus a bad team, not a really bad team, but a bad team. And I think the spread at 11 points is a good notion for what it is. But I actually think the Eagles and Steelers, this battle of Pennsylvania will be all Eagles. And, you know, it'll be tough to watch Kenny Pickett try their best to go up against the Eagles off a bye week in that defense. And um, I do though I do expect the Eagles to continue their undefeated season. I just think it's it's, the Steelers have no chance and that could be boring to most and it will be. So there you go. Now our thrillers. Me. This <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Me. Except, hey man, you have a World Series team to watch too, so it's hey. Ryan they play I... at
1: different times that day. We'll be all right.
0: <laughs> lucky, <Yeah>. see, lucky, <laughs> lucky stuff. Um, the, the Phillies got it, Desmond.
1: Oh, the Astros are tough, man. I mean, we're lucky to be there. <laughs> uh, thankful for these expanded playoffs. That's how I feel about it.
0: <laughs> Great way to make this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cool, quick take there.
0: The thrillers this week. Then there's, a, I think there's some um, um, some good options. Mister McKeon, with your new hand, what are you gonna watch with it?
4: With my new hand, I'm gonna say this: Arizona, Minnesota combined mm-hmm. combined points ninety. That's I think this is right gonna there. be a heist. What did it rhyme actually? Um, Arizona, Minnesota. Yeah, high Got scoring it. combined combined ninety points. <laughs> thriller of a thriller of a game. Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Hopkins combined for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Take that to DraftKings, same game parlay, and see what happens.
1: <laughs> okay, all right. Jeez. Like the energy. Well, I'm not mad at that
3: pick, Matt. So Matt kind of stole my thunder, but in a different category. But I think the Giants Seahawks game at 4:30 is going to be a uh, sensational. I think that these are. Um, these are two teams that are vying for a lot right now. They got a lot to prove in both respective divisions. And I think that, um, Seattle at home, they've got a, they've got a tough, they've got a tough task on their hands. I think, uh, both teams are, are, this is going to be a great game.
1: Um, there's a couple, uh, but I'm just going to go with one this week. Um, I really like Raiders saints. I think that both of those teams have no defense. So it just should just, just be, you know, who has the ball last because I'm expecting it to be like 37 to 34. That's what I'm expecting. It's a great pick.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. And my thriller this week, because I really think I think there's there's some I know on paper it, it's going to be a blowout, 11 and a half point spread with Green Bay and Buffalo. Oh and yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Well, I think it will be a close game. With everything against it and um, playing with house money or those free bets there. I think that Aaron Rodgers, it'll be interesting to see after these four, after these three major losses and how he could convince this team to push together against the best team in the NFL. And if Aaron Rodgers is as good as he's supposed to be on this, a career out, out, it's, it's hard to say career defining game because this is a regular season game at the end of October, but at the end of your career, if you can show that you can at least stay close, stay within the spread, I think that'll um, speak volumes of what Aaron Rodgers can do for his career. And if not, and if it exceeds the spread, and if they just get ultimately annihilated with people like Vaughn Miller and Ed Olivier uh, just eating Aaron Rodgers alive and creating extra memes, then you know what? Aaron Rodgers is officially on some kind of decline and should just take it easy for the rest of the season here. Unless they get DJ Moore or somebody or steal Jerry Judy from Denver and bring them to bring him some legit receivers. I think this is interesting in the sense of character development for Aaron Rodgers and at least keep it a competitive game, even though I do believe Buffalo will win.
1: I got a quick question for you, Matt. Yeah. If I said bills score bills at 30 and a half points, you're going over or under
0: the bills uh, uh, as a total um, as their
1: score. Are they going over 30 or are they going under 30?
0: It's a good question. I think that you have to pick the over right now when you have Diggs and Davis and um and Knox can show his potential. Uh even though people thought McCaffrey would take over for Montgomery, Montgomery does get yardage and touchdowns. You do have to go for the over there. And hence on that other, on the contrary, that the um Packers got to somehow score all those points against the bills defense. I don't know. It's hard. And there's a lot riding writing on this pick here for it. But again, this is more of a character development show what else he's got. And if everything pulls together for what this hall of fame caliber player reigning two time MVP, Aaron Rodgers, can do, then this clearly is the game to do it. And Obviously, if it goes the complete opposite direction, then <laughs> um, it's it's slow for Rodgers. It really is.
4: Here's going to be my one common idea for next week and throughout the next couple of weeks. If they continue to slide and they get to the point they're like, they're like three and seven, when do we see Jordan Love start getting more play? You're not. Yeah, no, with, you don't with, think so? Because no. of no. It, think so? how much no.
0: bad PR that created amongst that organization internally and how much they really are giving Aaron Rodgers the bank. I mean, over 150 in three years, I really think that they will just let him ride it out. They'll do Eli Manning or the, the Giants did for Eli Manning and you won't see any backup quarterback in unless somebody gets hurt for Aaron Rodgers.
4: And um, I think they're three and seven. I say, Aaron, you played the first three quarters and you let the, let the guy who's been on the bench for four years, just get a little bit of reps. I, I'd be very I, I surprised
3: totally, if they did that. It, I totally agree with Brian, but but it, it's for different reasons that you guys expect. I I think it's because the the team is at a bifurcation point. You know, they're they're almost like they're they're at the point where they're trying to cross the Rubicon with 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 Aaron Rodgers because I don't think they're salvaging any of this relationship any further if they do slide to three, seven. So it's not that uh, Jordan Love is going to impress anybody. I think we kind of know what we're getting with him. And I just think that he may end up just sitting out the rest of the season if it gets any worse.
0: Perfect time for the world to watch Aaron Rodgers on Halloween. The week before, day before Halloween there. All right, gentlemen, great work as always. Goals were accomplished. Kept the run dying down as well. So we will see you next week. Thank you so much, Desmond, Brian, and Alex. Enjoy your Halloween weekend. Stay safe out there. Great work, Desmond, Brian, and Alex. Great job, gentlemen. You guys deserve so much. Seriously, you really do great work. Let's hand it over to Ramblin' Russ Miller, the Productive Conversations Handicapper. He was 4-0 for his Week 7 picks in the NFL known for for the college picks, but we are forgiven for that. But Ramblin' Russ knows what he's got going. He is definitely worth listening into. And let's see what he has to say for week eight in the NFL, week nine in the college football season. Let's see what picks Russ has for us. Here we go. Your turn, Russ.
2: In our NFL for week number eight already in the NFL, week number eight, here we go, folks. The New York football Giants are plus three points. We're going to stay with them at home. I mean, on the road against Seattle, plus three. Giants, plus three. Strictly a, a coaching pick here. I, I'm going to take Daniel Jones over Geno Smith. Giants, plus three. Dable is is up for the task. The Giants know they have a bye coming up. They want to finish finish the uh, week strong, finish the first half of the season strong. Giants, plus three. Game number two, we go to the Jets. We go to the MetLife Stadium where the Jets up two-point underdog against the Patriots. Were the Patriots looking ahead on Monday evening? Perhaps they were, but you know what, folks? The Jets are for real. They will beat the Patriots outright. Jets plus two, game number two. Game number three, we go to New Orleans, where the Raiders, who last week got their act together, I look for them to continue to get get better and better, and I will take the Raiders minus two, game three. And finally... In game four, we're going to go to Big D, Big Dallas, and we're going to take the Chicago Bears plus the 9.5 points against the Dallas Cowboys. The Chicago Bears, again, short week, but they looked really good against the Patriots. It looks like Justin Fields, uh, Fields looks like he's going to be legit. And the Bears are our good underdog team here on the road. So Bears plus 9.5, Jets plus 2, Giants plus 3, Raiders minus 2. Good luck in week 9. Number eight. Thank you. In our afternoon segment here on Tuesday, five o'clock. Here are my college football picks for this coming weekend. And I'm gonna start off with a Thursday night game to get you going here. I'm gonna take NC State minus the 13 and a half NC State on Thursday. Then on Saturday, we're gonna go with two favorites and one underdog. We're gonna take the Yukon Huskies at home plus seven and a half. Obviously, that's a heart pick, but I do think they're going to compete off the bye week against Boston College. So, UConn plus seven and a half against BC. And then, in the two favorites I like, I like Tennessee minus the 12 against Kentucky. And I also like in the other game on Saturday, I like Tennessee, as I said. And then I'm going to take the Florida State Seminoles minus the 24 against georgia tech so florida state tennessee connecticut and nc state and good luck on the college board
0: great work russ russ helped me win some cash this sunday on FanDuel. i hope he does the same for you so check it out make those picks and uh let's show why russ is good at what he does thank you again for your contributions russ miller don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. Twitter at Product Combo Pod. we on TikTok. At Productive Conversations. So we will be back next week. We will have an NFL show for you on Wednesday, but we'll also switch gears and get back to some regular productive conversations with so many interesting people in this world. An episode like that, a non-sports episode, will t- drop next week. I will let you know when. Just check out our social media platforms, At Productive Conversations podcast on Instagram, Prod pod on Twitter, TikTok, Abductive Conversations. So we will let you know when a new episode drops, a non-sports one, and we'll get in the groove there. Of course, we will mix our sports as per usual, but we will go with our other subjects: news, entertainment, and culture, and just having interesting conversations with the interesting people all over the world as we approach 180 episodes. And there will be plenty more after that So good stuff ahead for each and every single one of you As we head to our final two months of 2022 So let's get on the horse, let's ride And let's enjoy what we have in front of us Enjoy your hollow weekend Be safe out there, do the right thing If you are in New York City, holler at me I'll be all over the place there over hollow weekend And uh, of course, let's be responsible and safe with it Enjoy your trick-or-treating. If you do that, you know, be respectful there, too. And, um, yeah, like I said, the end of October, a spooky season, a relaxing season, and an enjoyable season. So be safe out there. Enjoy your holiday plans and adventures. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. Thank you to Alex Rinello, Brian McKeon, Desmond Price, Russ Miller, and Alex DeJesus for what you do for this episode. See you next week, everybody. Peace.